Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word. We recognize, Lord, that we need to learn to handle it rightly. And we do pray that you will help us as we look at your scripture today to understand and to see the work of Christ in every page. Amen. The psalm we sung earlier, or didn't sing, sorry, but we read, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation, actually refers to the time just before what we read in Joshua. And it's strange because people love to make the first half into songs. They're not so keen on the second half. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they'd seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, there are people whose hearts go astray, and they've not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Joshua was one of two people in his generation who entered the promised land. Who was the other guy? Caleb, the man with the whole heart. Joshua and Caleb were two of 12 spies sent to look at the land, look at the promised land by Moses. And they all went and they all saw the same things. And they came back with these massive grapes and other things and they said it truly is a land filled with milk and honey. But then the other ten said, but the guys in the cities, they're huge, they're giants, we're like grasshoppers, they're going to wipe us out. God's brought us here just to be crushed by giants. Caleb and Joshua said, no, 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 the Lord has brought us this far, he will give us that we should continue. But the majority went with the ten and tested God. Even though he brought them out of Egypt, even though he drowned the Egyptian army, even though they had fought battles before, and they'd seen that as Moses lifted up his staff in prayer, Joshua leading the troops made gains, and when he wasn't, it was reversed. They knew the victories did not come from their strength. They came from the Lord, and they still blew it. And that generation did not enter the promised land. We have an Old Testament passage here. And the focus that I particularly want to look at, in a sense, is those words from verse just find it on here, 7 onwards. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And of course he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Don't you remember that song, Walking in Faith and Victory? 
Why is this passage relevant to us today? And how can we apply it in the new covenant times? You see, none of us here is, in a sense, Moses' successor. None of us is Joshua. Anybody here called Joshua? No. None of us here is actually planning an invasion of a physical land. And yet, we sort of know this still applies to us. And all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for instruction, instructing and equipping the man of God for every good work to Timothy. So be careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it so you'll be careful to do according to all that's written in it must still have relevance today. And and in one sense, I could very nearly jump in because it's so clear that we're talking about the word of God. And most of us here know the word of God is very important. But I am not a rabbi. I am not standing before you in a Jewish tabernacle. And I am not preaching the Old Testament solely. Because if I do so, in theory, and I've heard this on Thought for the Day from time to time, sometimes the rabbis come up with stuff that you have to say is completely true because it's in the Old Testament. So although it says in Psalm 1 and in Proverbs 1 how important it is to meditate on God's word, to follow it, to learn wisdom. There has to be a little bit more to it than that. And as we go into the new year, I want to just draw your attention to one or two things. So to start with, I'm going to mention that the Old Testament is provided for us to learn from. What Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 is quite important here. Let's just turn to 1 Corinthians 10 very briefly. There aren't that many cross-references. I'm going to end up in Hebrews fairly rapidly. And we'll keep your finger in Josh as well. So 1 Corinthians 10 says, in verse 6, Now these things took place as examples for us so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. There's an old saying that comes from the um, days of the French Revolution. Pour encourager des autres. Sorry if you know French, I didn't say that very well. To encourage the others... They make an example and guillotine somebody. Now, in a way, the just punishment seen of those people warns us against turning away from God in our hearts. And what Joshua is being told in terms is basically, you 
must not turn aside to the left or to the right. And to make sure you don't, you've got to keep my word, which up until that point was the first five books of the Bible, in your mind the whole time. You must think about it, you must meditate on it, so that you know how to make the right decisions as you lead these people. But as you think about those things, you will remember that I'm the God who called Abraham. I'm the God who brought the Israelites into Egypt when Joseph was there so that they could be rescued from the famine. I'm the one who brought them out and destroyed Pharaoh's army. I'm the one who promised them this land. I'm the God, the Lord of hosts, who will keep his promises. And also, you can see that Joshua's pretty well up on things because if you happen to look at what he said to the half-tribe of Manasseh and the other guys, he said this. Remember the word that Moses, the servant of God, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession. Now, the promised land... Sometimes when, as Christians, we think of death as being the point at which you cross Jordan. That's the picture that is used in Pilgrim's Progress. The point when they entered the promised land. But actually, when they entered the promised land, there was still fighting to do. I don't have time to go through the step-by-step situation. But you will remember that God dried up the river and they crossed. You will remember Jericho. And you'll remember that over time, they took a very large proportion of the land, although not all of it. But then Joshua wasn't perfect either. And in fact, if you look at the charge to Joshua, you can see that he fulfilled it as well as any mere man could. But we needed another Joshua to come, the Lord Jesus, to actually fulfill it completely. He's the only one who completely kept the law of Moses. He's the only one who fulfilled that commission and he's the one who takes us into our final inheritance, the promised land. But this thing about the word, this thing about the hearts of people is worth exploring. You see, the Old Testament people failed to keep the Old Covenant. If they had been able to succeed, there would have been no need for Jesus. There would have been no need for God to send his son as a sacrifice. But they failed. And there is a diagnosis and a solution given in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 11.6, it says that you have stubborn and evil hearts that will not follow God. That's our basic state. 
not just the Jews, everybody. And then the remedy was judgment, but also redemption. And in Jeremiah 31, he says, I will give a new covenant. I will write my law on their hearts. It's going to be completely different. Well, look, the promise given to the people Joshua led was to go in and to take the land that God had promised to give them, if you like, to take, on the, to take the kingdom, and to have rest. They didn't enter that rest. But they got a fair way, and you saw a lot from them. God promises rest. Okay, so great. So far, we know that we're in the new covenant, and we're given new hearts. We know that God promised rest for his people back then when they took the land west of Jordan, but they weren't able to enter due to disobedience. And here we are at the beginning of the new year, looking at what Joshua was told. What is he told? Be courageous. Lots and lots of times. Be courageous in keeping to God's commandments. Yes, it takes courage to stand up to a bunch of people and say, we're going to do it God's way. There's so many shortcuts. Can't we do this? Can't we do that? No. Be courageous and follow the law of Moses. You will be as Moses to these people because you're going to do what he would have done and do what I've told him to do and therefore you to do. It says, don't let this book of the law pass from your mouth. What? What does that mean? Does that mean you never ever say a word of scripture? I don't think it can mean that. I think it actually means it's never out of your mouth. Okay? There are some people, um, I can remember an instant in one of the schools I used to teach in, where a particularly young lady who was what they called a managed move, that was with us for a very short period of time only, came into the room, looked at a girl at the back of the room, and used one word lots of times, um, in interspersed with one or two other things, one beginning with B, but the main one was basically one beginning with F, sometimes conjugated differently, and then she left. And I was in complete shock, so was my class. That didn't usually happen in that school. And I said to them, do you think she knows any other words beginning with F? And we left it at that. But, you know, she was picked up on the corridor by the on-call and so forth. And Is that the only word that's in your mouth? Foul language? Is it that you're always talking about just the football? I know I talked about Liverpool this morning. Or is it that all of the time, actually, scriptural truth is on your tongue? When Jesus was tempted, what did he do? He quoted scripture straight back at the enemy. The father of lies came to him and said, look, you can." And he just quoted scripture straight back. It is written. You couldn't do that unless it's there ready. It's like if I started doing a times table test for some of you. Don't panic, I'm not going to call out any numbers. You've been, oh, it's not in my mind. If you've been practicing it, working with it, thinking about it, it will be there, it'll be instant. And the rest of the words in that verse say, meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to follow it. It says, don't turn aside to the left or to the right. 
Lead this people in my way and you will be prosperous and successful. He was supposed to lead the people faithfully, obeying God as he gave the land to them. That's as God gave the land to them. But they had to fight. They had to go up. They had to send their people into battle. They had to put themselves in the firing line and God gave the victory. But that's an example. How is it still relevant today as we look forward to the new heaven and the new earth? Well, first of all, I have to confess that one of the verses I'm about to read for you kicked me in the teeth one Wednesday morning about 30 years ago. And it's this one. It's in Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. I was teacher training. I was in London. Things were getting very busy. I went home for the weekend on the train. I went to what was then called West Street Baptist. The pastor preached. I took notes. I went away again. I went back to my digs. I got up the next day. I went in and, and, and managed to get through London's transport situation and into the right school. Did the same thing the next day. The Wednesday came. And the Wednesday at about 11 o'clock, I had an actual tea break near where the college was. And I walked into Russell Square and I sat on a bench and I opened up my Bible and I opened up my notebook and thought, I better read something. I haven't read anything for the last couple of days. The first thing I did was read what he'd said. And it said, you must pay more careful attention lest you drift away. And I'm thinking, I haven't read anything since Sunday. But that's the danger, isn't it? You can find that the word just disappears out of your life because you don't decide, I'm going to make time for it. You know, it's okay occasionally to miss breakfast. But it's not wise to keep missing it. It's okay to occasionally go with a takeaway or even a McDonald's. But it's not wise to just live on that stuff. You need the proper food. And I was in danger of not taking the proper food. And more importantly, in danger of not remembering what I've heard. Now look, in that chapter 2, it says, therefore. Whenever you see therefore, you ask, well, what is it therefore? And it's there because something has happened in chapter 1. I'm not going to read the whole of chapter 1, but I'm just going to say to you, long ago, at many times, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. It's about Jesus. We must pay more careful attention. Moses points to Jesus. Joshua had Moses. Joshua had the rescue from Egypt. Joshua had the pillar of fire by night 
and the pillar of smoke the day. We have Jesus who died on a cross, who rose from the dead. We have Jesus who sent his spirit to be with us now. We have the whole word of God. We have so much more. And yet, in our hearts, we can find it very easy to drift away. If I spend more time reading the news feed on my phone, which is so easy, you just swipe and there's all these different articles they throw at you and they... I, I looked at something to do with the Queen Elizabeth, you know, the, the aircraft carrier, a year or two ago because my in-laws live near Portsmouth and they were talking about the fact it was coming into Portsmouth Harbour for the first time. And ever since, in my news feed, I've got, I've got news about aircraft carriers all around the world because it thinks I'm interested in aircraft carriers. So, you know, if you want to talk to me about aircraft carriers, I'll, I can point you in the right direction. But that should not be my entire focus. It's fine, at least it's not something dodgy. The issue is that so much is thrown at us every day, and so many demands are made on us every day, that unless we take the same advice Joshua was given, which is to courageously say, no, I belong to the Lord. I'm going to do it God's way. We will not move forward courageously. We'll start to drift away. You see, the message that was given was reliable. And the transgressions, we read about it at the end of that psalm, turned out to be real. How should we escape if we neglected a great salvation? That is the danger of not understanding where they came from. Now, I asked a question at the beginning. How does this chapter apply to us? And I'm going to give you two answers. Answer number one, we are no different from Joshua because we're human and we too need God's truth to keep us on track. We are no different from Joshua in that we have a promise from God. But our promise of rest is different than his. Did you notice the promise of rest when they got the land? If you look at chapter 3 of Hebrews, it quotes the same psalm in verses 7 through 11. And it says... As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's the punishment. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil or unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you might be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Pay careful attention so you don't drift away. Hold your confidence, your courage until the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Wasn't it all those who left Egypt led by Moses? 
With whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. They didn't believe God. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. The message they heard didn't benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, he somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Verse 6, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, Again, he appoints a certain day called today. Saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And it comes right back to the word. The word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. My friends, if you don't remember what God has said, and you don't read his word and fill up on it again and again, how will you know when you've gone to the left or to the right? How will you know when you're falling away? If you don't meet with people who encourage you and remind you, and hopefully they've been reading the word, how will you know that you're drifting? And it is so easy, unless you've got some kind of marker to drift. How do you know if you're on a river, that you are stationary. How do you know that you're not drifting downriver? What you do is you fix a landmark on the shore and you watch it. And if the landmark appears to be moving, well, it's a tree. It's not going to be moving, is it? Who's drifting? You are. So you know, because you've got a fixed point landmark, whether you are drifting or not. Our fixed point is the Lord Jesus. Our fixed point is shown to us in the Word. We must continue to read it, or we're going to blow it. Since then, says this same passage, we have a great high priest. Let us... Hold fast our confession. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. One who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, we often take that completely out of context. In one sense, it works perfectly because it is always true. But if you look at it in that context, Hebrews was written to remind you and me that we have been called by Christ and we must not drift away. And there are loads of warnings throughout the book, but I'm stopping there. I've read plenty of it today. It's a brilliant book. You can always read it at home. Joshua was told, be strong, be courageous, meditate on the word, follow my commands, do it my way, and you can lead these people into the promised rest. And to some extent, Joshua succeeded. But like any of us, he blew it. He blew it quite early on. Um, AI didn't work too well, but that was because somebody had kept the, the stuff hidden. And then they, they made a deal with a tribe that turned out to be local because they didn't check. You know, he didn't get it perfectly right. But that doesn't matter. He's a great example of somebody who right through to the end of his life when he told the people, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He was faithful in the way that anybody could be at that, that stage. But Jesus, who was tempted in every part, was without sin. Jesus followed courageously exactly what his father wanted every step of the way, even though he sweat drops of blood when praying in Gethsemane because it was that hard to do it. He did it. And he died and made the way so that we too can enter into that rest. It's still not what I do. It is what Christ has done. But it is so easy for me to forget that, get something wrong and go, you know what, Lord, I've failed you, I'll just step away. No. Lord, I've failed you. I need to come to you in the name of Jesus, and I need to ask your forgiveness. I need to come, draw near, with confidence to receive mercy. Because that mercy is there because of the blood of Jesus. The Christian faith is not about you've become a Christian, now you've got to be perfect. Otherwise, we've all failed. We will be perfect one day. But we're not perfect now. If we, if we, if we claim to walk in the light, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. We do not fight with swords. We don't have to march around a city seven times and wait for the walls to fall down. There are things that you can see in the Old Testament are examples that we don't follow slavishly in exactly the same way. But each of those things teaches us something. One of the things it teaches us is that again and again, God showed mercy and returned to his promise and said, well, I've made a promise and I'm going to keep it. Another thing is that he keeps reminding us to go back to his word and to remember what he has done. Now, you remember when you read. You remember when you pick up a Bible and you just look at it on a Sunday. But there are people who would probably testify that by the time they get to Friday or Saturday, they're kind of well out of tune because... They didn't even wait till Wednesday to pick up their Bible. They haven't picked it up since the last time we met. 
Maybe you come to the midweek prayer meeting and that helps you a little bit as well. But actually, day and night is what he told Joshua, which means every day, meditate on it. What does meditate mean? It does not mean sit cross-legged and wait for your brain to empty. It means chew it over. Think about it. Don't let it get out of your mouth because you're still chewing. It means make the connection and ask God that question, Lord, what should I do? And as Hebrews pointed out, the word is like a sharp sword. It can cut away the flesh, the fat. A picture that Jesus used was pruning the vine, which is not... I'm not sure if vines squeal when you prune them. You know, there probably is something there, but they don't have brains like us. But if we're pruned, it's going to hurt a little bit, isn't it? You know, uh, we may not like that. But what God is doing when He takes us through those things is making it so that we are more like His Son Jesus. Joshua is the Jewish version of the name for Jesus. Jesus is the one who came and courageously made the way to lead his people to rest. But the advice to Joshua still stands. Do not let this book of the law pass from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what is written in it. And as the man who wrote Hebrews pointed out, don't forget what you've learned. Be diligent in reminding yourself of the grace of Christ so that you don't drift away, so that you do go to him when you've blown it again, so that you do change because the word is changing the way that you think, and so that you, along with God's people, will persevere to that day when Jesus comes again. We are ready to enter into his rest when he comes. If he is at work in us now, and if that work continues. And praise God, it doesn't rely on me that his work in me continues. It relies on him and on his spirit. But we are told, we are told to continue to work at it. The Israelites did not expect to go across the river and sit there and do nothing else, and those other things would run away. They had work to do. They had to walk into that land. They had to take every step You have a year ahead of you. I have a year ahead of me, God willing. As we take every step, are we going to remember that like God said to Joshua and like Jesus said to us, I am always with you? Or are we going to get scared and back off and hide and shrink away? Well, remember, he is with us. His spirit has come. It is not a spirit of timidity. It's a spirit of power, of love, of self-control. Do not let this book of the law pass from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. I want to pray that we all learn a little bit more of the Lord through the scriptures this year. And if you haven't made any kind of resolution, may I suggest you just pick up a reading plan or Go to Uversion or Bible.com or one of the other places and let them give you a reading plan. There are so many out there. But make it a plan that just helps you to read the scripture, 
and gives you some insight. Don't let it be one of those fluffy plans that goes all topical. Make it one that makes you read the Bible quite widely. Because the wider you read it, the better it is. Paul said that all of we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How do you reflect the Lord's glory? Well, I believe you let the word of God dwell in you richly. And that means you have to open this book and let the Spirit illuminate it so that you shine in the reflected light of God's glory and you're transformed into his likeness. Let's go into the promised land of this year, knowing the final end, knowing he's making all things new, but recognizing that he's calling us to spiritual disciplines, Christian habits, I don't know how you'd put it, but to be those who are disciples of Jesus, who follow him, and who don't let go of his word or his truth. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you have given us your word. And we thank you that in your word we see that Jesus is Lord. That it is by grace that we are saved through faith in him. And that the message of Christ is so simple. That we can repent and turn to him. And acknowledge him as Lord as we believe in our hearts he's been raised from the dead and we will be saved. And yet, Lord, we also thank you that there are so many things in your word that teach us how to live our lives with wisdom and to bear fruit that glorifies you as we follow his commands. And Lord, we pray that as we go from this place today, you would remind us how important it is to stick close to you and to follow you by reading your word and by letting you speak to us through it. May the words of our heart, Lord, be acceptable in your sight. Amen.